listening to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. This is Lauren and Shannon, teacher training duo of TefelHorizons.com. Each week, we bring you teaching advice, travel tips, and inspiring stories from around the globe. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Welcome to this week's episode of Expand Your Horizons, the Tuffle Horizons podcast. I'm Shannon, as always, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi! And Lauren has just returned from Spain at the time of recording this, so she is a little bit jet-lagged still, but she's a trooper. She's here. She's ready to go. (laughs) Or should I say, hola? (laughs) (laughs) Lauren, how was Spain? It was gorgeous. It It was absolutely perfect. I went to Toledo. Toledo, um, which is uh, one of the World Heritage Sites, and it was one of the coolest places I've ever been. So, uh, I've never been, and we were so excited to record this episode. I haven't even had a chance to look at all your pictures yet, <laughs> no. so that needs to happen very soon. So I apologize in advance if I can't, I, well, as usual, I can't find my words as easily as Shannon does, but she might have to do some speaking for me today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. Verbal learner over here versus the visual learner over there, so... <laughs> So we're going to get through this episode. It's going to be great. Um, But we are excited about this episode because we want to continue on our theme of teaching reading. And this episode is going to continue kind of closely from the newsletter that came out this past week where we talked about dealing with vocabulary in a reading lesson. And this is a common question that I think students, um, sorry, teachers, teachers in training often ask us is, okay, they understand that the focus of the lesson is reading, they understand that they want to help students get through this particular text, but they're not really sure how to handle the issue of vocabulary in general. Like, Mm -hmm. what if students ask about it? What if there are a bunch of words students don't know? Like, as a teacher, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, Lauren, you've had people ask stuff about this as well, yeah? I I think that teachers feel... uh, a lot of pressure, you know, to help students understand everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just too much pressure to put on yourself, you know, that you should be the one to explain, you know, all the things to the students. Right, exactly. So first thing you want to keep in mind as we go through this episode is that, again, we're talking about teaching a reading lesson. So yeah. the main aim of the lesson that we're talking about, if it's a reading lesson, is going to be... Reading. You guessed it. <laughs> reading. Um, So the first thing we always advise teachers not to do, don't ask at the end of students reading a text, um, now, were there any words that you didn't understand that you would (laughs) like me to explain? Um, Asking that question is something you don't want to do. It's opening Pandora's box. (laughs) It really is. And I know it's really tempting, and I know that the intentions behind asking that question are good. I know that the teacher just wants to help the students understand. So I I know that the intention is the teacher is concerned that the students might have encountered some unknown words and the teacher wants to clarify those words. They want to teach those words. They want the student to walk away feeling like they were able to understand all the vocabulary in the text. Um, But Lauren, what is wrong with asking that question? You know, it it sends the wrong message to the students. Uh, It sends a message that they need to understand every word in order to understand a text. And it just isn't true. If we, if we think about the way we read things, you know, if we're reading, uh, uh, I don't know, The New Yorker, let's say, or something like that, there may be words even as native speakers that we encounter that we don't understand. And that doesn't mean that we don't understand the text. It just means that we don't know that one word. Um, and so when we 
when we teach our students that they, they need to understand every word in order to understand the text, it really puts them at a disadvantage because it slows them down. It slows down their reading speed. Imagine, you know, we've taught them, oh, they have to understand everything. So they're sitting at home with a dictionary looking up every word and they get through a sentence in, you know, 30 minutes. Right. It's just not practical. Really it's, tedious and not fun. Yeah. It's also not the way we read. No. It's not, it's not the way anyone reads. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we say, you know, rule number one, don't teach the students that they need to understand every word in order to understand the text. It sends, it definitely sends the wrong message to them. Right. The message that we want to send the students is that they can actually get a lot out of the text without having to understand every single word. That's really similar to what I think we talked about um, in our last episode that was just the two of us. What was that episode? 18? No, just this last episode because we're not doing an interview this episode. Um, Yeah. So we talked a lot about, you know, setting a task in advance before students read to help motivate them and show them that even if they don't understand every single word, they can still get a lot out of that text. Yeah. So then if you turn around and immediately focus on the vocabulary and ask them to ask for definitions, you're sort of contradicting yourself and showing them, no, wait, if you didn't understand every word, you're missing something. Exactly. But that's not what we want. No. Um, the second reason um, is that by asking students if there are any words that they want you, the teacher, to define, you're encouraging teacher dependence. So you're basically making yourself a human dictionary and you're showing the students that if they don't know something, the solution is to just ask you. Right. Which, yes, you're the teacher. That seems like it's not a bad thing. Um, but if you think about it, the whole reason we're teaching the students in the first place is to prepare them to use English outside of the classroom. Right. right. So when they're outside of the classroom, we want to have practiced reading with them so that they have good reading skills outside of the classroom. Um, so when they're outside of the classroom and they encounter a word they don't understand and you are not there to define it for them, what are they supposed to do? Right. Um, so you're not actually making them more independent, proficient readers. You're just making them reliant upon you, um, which is, is not what we want to do at all. It also puts a lot of pressure on you. It does. You don't need to. You don't need to have that much pressure on you. Your job as a teacher is to prepare the lesson, uh, keeping in keeping in mind the main aim, which is reading. Um, and so, if you start, you know, going at all the vocabulary, you're also going to create timing issues. Yep. So imagine you plan. So I don't know. Like let's say your lesson's forty five minutes or an hour, whatever. But you, your the majority of your time is meant to be spent working on reading skills. Right. Um, and all of a sudden you've opened a Pandora's box to, you know, is there any vocabulary you don't understand? And then suddenly it turns into a vocabulary lesson, which wasn't the lesson that you planned. Exactly. So you want to always keep in mind your main aims when you're, uh, it, when you're trying to make decisions on the spot. We understand that things come up in lessons that are unexpected that you can't plan for. One of the best rules of thumb we can give you is to keep your main aims in mind when you are choosing what to, to spend time on in class. And so, yes, understanding some of the vocabulary is going to be important, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just don't, don't throw off the timing of your lesson just to deal with some random vocabulary that isn't going to actually help them understand the text better. Right. And in addition to timing, if you think about it, If you ask that question, you have now opened yourself up to being a human dictionary, as we said, and to being prepared to teach 
in an effective way every single word in the text. So that means students can now ask you to define every single word in the text if they want to. Yep. Which first of all, as Lauren was mentioning, that's going to take forever. That's going to take up the rest of your lesson and then some, which means you have no more time for reading activities. It also means that you are then on the spot to provide a good student accessible level definition for every single word in the text. That also means you're ready to answer students' questions about it, um, distinguish between any subtle differences between that word and another similar vocabulary word. You should be able to ask comprehension checking questions about that word. You should be able to tell the students where the syllable stress is, what part of speech the word is if they ask. And are you really going to be prepared to do that on the spot? I mean, Lauren and I are very experienced teachers, and that's not something that I want to set myself up for. No. That's stressful. You have to understand that normally to teach vocabulary, right, we go into lesson prepared with those things already Mm -hmm. written down on paper with a strategy. Like, we're going to show a picture to show the meaning of this word, or we're going to, you know. Right. Uh, So we go in with a plan, and if you... It's not something you do off the cuff. It's just exactly. I'm trying to do it off the cuff is not going to be effective. Like no matter how confident you are in your own English vocabulary knowledge, trying to pull a definition out of thin air is just not going to be a good, clear definition that the students are going to get right away. So that being said, our students do ask unexpected questions sometimes. And so some people, some of our teachers do ask us, well, how do you deal with it if a student asks you and you're not prepared to to answer. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of, of things that I've used in the past. First of all, you can say good question. Let's get back to that later and say it with a smile on your face. You could also validate their question by writing that word down on the board, like in the corner of a board somewhere, and then repeating great question. Let's get back to that later. So it doesn't take away from your lesson and what you've yeah, planned. Yeah. And by just writing the word on the board, you've, you've acknowledged the, right. qu- like you've, you've put it up there. Yeah. It's like you've pinned it. Yeah. Right. So the student knows, okay, it's up there. My question's been heard. We're going right. to get to it. Yeah. So you're not and ignoring then you it. Deal with it at the end of the lesson or in a following lesson when you've had some time to, to look up the word yourself. Um, the, but the truth is, is that like there are words in a text that you're going to want to deal with. And, and the question is why? Well, if we look at it, right, some of the words in a text, the students are going to need to know in order to answer the, the questions, right? So uh, a typical reading lesson has a, a, a more global question, a gist reading question like we've talked about um, in the previous episode. Um, it, a lot of times that the students can answer that question without knowing all of the or some of the words in the text right they shouldn't if if they have to know all the words in the text to do that first exercise it's it's not it's not the right first reading exercise um but oftentimes students will need to understand a few words several words we'll get into that in a second in order to answer the more detailed questions we call those vocabulary those words blocking vocab words meaning that if the students don't understand those words in the text, they won't be able to answer the detailed comprehension questions that come after the gist task. So the question is, how do you go about choosing which vocabulary to teach and which vocabulary words not to teach? Right. And the answer is simple. Go through the questions yourself. Yes. Answer them. See which vocabulary words you encounter in the text yourself and determine whether or not you think your students know those words. Right. So just because a student doesn't know a word in the text 
or you think that your students won't know a particular word in the text, if they don't need to know that word to answer the reading comprehension questions that you are about to give them, it's not blocking. Then they don't need it. Yeah. They don't need it. Doesn't need to come up at all. Yep. You don't need to spend the time on it. But there, you will see, you know, very often that, I don't know, in a reading lesson, I usually, I don't know, Shem, how many lessons, uh, how many words do you usually teach? Five-ish. I'd say five-ish max. That's what I usually do too. Four or five. Because I feel like that's what I have the time to deal with. Um, in depth, right? Because I don't want to just skim you know, like over these words and sort of just throw them at the students. I want to spend five minutes on them and really deal with the meaning and the pronunciation and the form of those words and yeah. really go in depth with them. For sure. Yep, exactly. Um, and again, so you're looking just for the blocking words, um, words that if the students don't know them, they will not be able to answer right. the detailed comprehension questions or the comprehension questions. And keep in mind too that you are in control of the questions that you're asking right? students. So you don't need to be asking them questions that require them to understand every single word. That's right. Um, check too, because oftentimes words are defined. Like sometimes um, with I've had candidates who think they need to teach particular words that are words, um, like they're not common words. They're more scientific words mm-hmm. or they're more complex mm-hmm. words, even for a very proficient or a native speaker. Right. But words like that are usually defined in the text. Yes. Yep. Um, and so if there's a definition included in the text, you don't need to define it because right. it's built into the text right. already. Right. So like uh, the text might say like the, a person was hysterical. That is, they were very uh, emotional in a certain situation. But, you know, it will go on to sort of give clues right. as to what the word means. Right. You don't need to exactly. teach those. And those are great. That's great if the students um, can pick up on the, the meaning of those words through the context without you having to teach it explicitly. Exactly. So once you've gone through and you've decided which words you think are blocking, here's how you deal with them. Um, as we said, you want to choose a limited number, so like four or five, probably max. If you yeah. feel like there are a lot more blocking words than that, you're either being too lenient on what your definition of blocking is, or maybe the questions that you're planning to ask students are too challenging, mm-hmm. or you need to come up with a different strategy, which we can talk about in a second. But once you've selected your blocking words, then what you want to do is create a student-centered task that's going to help the students work out the meanings of those words. So what you don't want to do is just go through and put all the words on the board and then start explaining them, right? right? That's very teacher-fronted. It's really not engaging. It's really not activating anything in the students' minds. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to take a while for not a lot of reward. Instead, You'll choose your blocking words in the planning of your lesson. So this is before you even teach. Um, Create a matching task where you take the blocking words and then the definitions of those words and the students have to match the word to the definition. This trips a lot of new teachers up because they think it seems counterintuitive, right? Their question is like, well, how are the students going to be able to do this exercise if I haven't told them the meaning of the words already? Right. It's supposed to be like that. So it it might seem a little bit backwards at first, but that's actually the whole point that the students are trying this out before you've taught the words. And in doing this task, that is how the students are going to learn the meanings of these words. Um, Yes, it is a bit of guesswork on their part, but remember the students have the text in front of them. So you can encourage them, look back at the text. If it helps you find the words in the text and see if you can figure out the meaning. Um, they're also adults with normal learning strategies, so they're going to be able to use things like process of elimination yep, exactly. to, to try to figure it out. 
And if they're not sure, if they don't get all of them right, right off the bat, that's okay because you're then the next step is you're going to go over the words anyway. Yep. So you're going to create the student-centered matching task, give it to the students before you tell them the meaning of any of the words. And then in doing this task and matching the words to the definitions, the students are now learning the new words. Yep. Um, And then Lauren, as you were saying, you'd follow up with a bit of pronunciation. So what else would you do after the students have matched on their own? And then kind of what do you do next? So they've got the definitions in front of them. No need to read the definitions out loud. Please don't. (laughs) Public service announcement. Um, (laughs) They have the definitions in front of them, but check the answer. So, you know, who nominate a student, you know, answer number one, they give you the answer. Follow up the the vocab word answer with a concept check question. We've talked about this in the past, but just to review, a concept check question checks that students understand the meaning of the word, not by asking, do you understand, but by asking about the meaning of the word. So, uh, for example, to use the, the word that I used before, hysterical, if someone is hysterical, are they calm? Probably, likely not. No, no. <laughs> okay. I'll answer your CCQ. Oh, good, Shannon. No. Shannon, you know, or, you I'll know, are, right? are they very <laughs> emotional? Yes. You, know, um, you could even ask, like, what might they look like? Something like that. Um, so you want to follow up your vocabulary words with questions um, to deal with meaning. Um, and then pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to make sure the students can say the words, go over the word stress. Any difficult sounds that you have in there, like the f sound, tends to trip our students up. Um, and then after pronunciation, you want to deal with form. Form doesn't have to be complicated. Just elicit, is it a noun or a verb? Or is it an adjective or an adverb? Yep. doesn't have to be very complicated. Great. So this is happening immediately after you go over the answers to that matching task. Once you've finished out this part of the lesson, you're good. Yeah. You've done the vocabulary yeah. pre-teach. Um, and students have now hopefully gotten those blocking words. So the obstacles of the blocking words have been eliminated. Mm-hmm. And then students should be more prepared to go in and be able to do the next reading task yeah. um, without being you know, limited by the unknown vocabulary. What's really good about giving them the matching task for the reading too is that they still have that in front of them when they're exactly. going back to the text just in case they need to reference it again. Exactly. And a little expert tip as well is if you've done all of that on the board and one of these days we're going to do a video or a po- something about board work. I know Lauren is so ready. This is her <laughs> This is her jam. She's going to show you her magic board work. Uh, I love um, board work. So if you've done <laughs> all of this on the board, highlighting things like the pronunciation, the part of speech, leave it on the board yeah. so that when students go back and start reading again, they can still visually access that yep. information and it's going to help them. Exactly. Um, but what we want to drive home here is, number one, this should be short like again we cannot repeat this enough the aim of a reading lesson is reading comprehension not vocabulary so you need to keep this stage efficient and you need to keep it short that's one thing so limiting the number is going to help and being able to move through this vocab stuff systematically is going to help yeah so Um, go into it with a plan with like this needs to be planned out in advance or don't even bother doing it honestly it better not to do it than to do it super haphazardly like i've been teaching for 
a long time and I still write I write out my concept check questions on the back of a piece of paper and yep. I read them out to the class I mean they're there they're accessible because if I have to think of them on the spot then I'm wasting time because they're, they're not going to be good no, they're, be <laughs> they're just not no matter how much experience you have I can't think of them on the spot oh. um, and the other point to drive home with the vocab preteach I think is that it's optional so this is not a requirement in a reading lesson I would say more often than not you don't need one yeah um and if you don't need one that's okay that's better because then the focus can truly remain on reading this is just an only if needed thing right and again the only reason you're doing this is to eliminate the blocking words in the text to help students with reading comprehension it's not for the sake of teaching these vocabulary words in their own right because you think they're interesting words to teach. That's not a good reason to yep. do a vocab pre-teach. It's true. Some teachers ask us, though, if they have time after the reading is done, if it's appropriate to deal with some of the vocab after the the reading lesson. Uh, in general, I would say yes. I'm, I'm he- I, I give a hesitant yes here. My preference is after a reading lesson to give the students time to speak about the topic. So you know, putting them in pairs or groups and having them have, giving them discussion questions, right? I think is a lot more beneficial. However, there are some teachers that really, really desire to teach vocabulary after uh, the reading is done. And I say, you know, if you have time and you go into it prepared and you're not just doing it on the spot, off the cuff, good, more power to you. Sure. So Uh, that's often called a post-teach. Yep. Um, oh, and we should clarify. So the whole reason of vocabulary pre-teach is called a pre-teach is oh, because yeah. it comes <laughs> before right. the main reading task. So it might still come after the initial reading task, but make sure you're doing this vocabulary pre-teach, like we said, if you're doing it, that's a, only an if you need to, um, and you're making this matching task, make sure you're giving the students that and doing all of this before the main reading task, because that's the whole point, again, is that yeah. you're you're doing this so that they're then prepared they're ready with these blocking words and they're no longer blocking when they go in and do the the bigger, more involved reading task after that. And so then if you were to do it after the reading is done, we call it a post-teach. Post-teach, yeah. Pre or post is referring to um, where it comes in the sequence of the main reading task before or after. I'd say if you are going to post-teach vocabulary, just be careful. Again, uh, go into it knowing that the decisions that we make in a lesson, the, the time that we set aside to work on certain tasks gives um, our students an impression of what they should be spending their time on. Um, and so if we're telling them, again, uh, you know, through a post-teach that it's really important to understand these vocabulary words, you know, why? To better understand the text? Well, they just dealt with the text. And they dealt with it fine without those words. So just be careful. Tread lightly. I would say at the end of a, a reading lesson, you know what? There are a few words in this text that I actually really love and I wanted to share them with you or something like that so they don't think that, oh, the most important thing to walk away from in this lesson is with vocab. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So if you feel like you do want to teach vocabulary, like let's say there are vocabulary words in the text that you feel like the student's would like to know or that it would be useful for the students to know that vocab you want to teach those words sure we're not saying that's a bad thing um we're not at all saying that teaching vocabulary is a bad thing we're just saying that it doesn't belong in a reading lesson so that means if there are vocabulary words that you really want to teach just because you want to teach that vocabulary that's totally fine but it's a separate thing so either that's going to be the second part of a longer lesson Let's say you have a 90-minute lesson. Okay, great. Maybe the first 45 minutes is just a full-on reading lesson. 
don't worry about the vocab, and then you've got time. So that second part, the post-teach, could almost evolve into an entire 45-minute vocabulary lesson for the second half. But then that's a vocab focus. That's a different focus. You're shifting gears completely. So you need to make sure in the same lesson that you've completely finished all the reading stuff, you've closed out that part of the lesson, and then you can move into the vocab in its own right. Or if you have a shorter lesson to begin with, that belongs in a whole separate lesson. Maybe that's tomorrow's lesson or that's the next session that meets is the vocab from the text. Mm -hmm. Now you can focus on it in its own way. Right. Yeah. You just need to know, you need to make sure that you have time. Exactly. The biggest lesson here. Yeah. And making sure that your focus is clear. So it's always about achieving the main aim of your lesson and the main aim of your lesson is determined by the lesson type um so yeah you know we've talked about this before and i think it's just important to sort of mention here again why do we spend time in the classroom working uh, reading with students you know some teachers say well students could read at home but yeah the students could read at home but can they develop reading skills on their own not likely that's why they need us and they need sort of these timed Um, exercises and so when we say like keep your main aim in mind and make sure that the students are developing their reading skills that's what we mean is like you don't need to take time away from that the students need as much time practicing those skills as possible Um, exactly and it's always I love this um, this adage and I feel like it's worth repeating as much as possible but I always think it's better to teach a lot about a little rather than a little about a lot and so What happens is if you start trying to focus on vocab in addition to the reading stuff, you end up just kind of haphazardly doing both and the students don't get a really good focus on either of those things. They don't walk away with more developed reading skills and they also don't really walk away with knowledge of the vocabulary because there wasn't adequate time for you to first of all clarify it and then let them practice it so that it's going to stick versus if you split them up and you just do a really good reading lesson one day and then a really good vocab lesson the next day, that's actually useful. Absolutely. It's more manageable for you. It's more beneficial to the students and everything just feels more streamlined. It just makes you a better teacher. Agreed. Yeah. Um, So that is our take home message is keep your reading focus on reading. If you want to deal with vocab, that's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to say, and it, it just left my head. Maybe your jet lag is contagious. Yeah, I, <laughs> it might be. Sorry, everyone. I thank Shannon again for completing my sentences for me. No, you were um, great. I didn't even. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, but um, thanks so much for those of you who have gone ahead and reviewed us um, on oh iTunes. Oh my gosh! Yes, thank you. It means so much. We are up to four reviews now and seven ratings and I say this because we we count them and we get super excited about every single one so so uh go ahead and leave us uh a review there if you want to um as always feel free to send us messages um through social media I we are on uh Instagram and Facebook and also on Twitter um if there are questions that you have for us send them uh these episodes on reading were inspired by a listener question um and we have already gotten a few episodes out of the out of yeah, that one question so, more. <laughs> so please send them in we we love your questions uh thanks so so much uh daily we're learning about more and more of you who are listening so shout out to um all of you who tune in thanks so much for 
for being there and for supporting us. Yes, absolutely. And I did remember what I wanted to say. (laughs) So this is one final (laughs) message to leave you with or to summarize. Um, Usually, even after we teach this to candidates, um, sometimes there's still the question of like, okay, but if I don't go over any vocabulary, the students are going to ask. But honestly, you would be surprised if you don't draw attention to the vocabulary, you would be shocked at how much students don't ask about it. As long as you are following the advice we've been giving you in terms of how to structure your reading tasks in the first place, like give the students a task before they start reading, you know, make it motivating, give them a reason to read, make sure they have a specific task that they're looking to answer as they read. You would be really surprised at how little they ask about the vocabulary. And if they are asking a lot about the vocabulary, um, it might mean that you've already been teaching them in this way. Like if you've already been mm-hmm. asking them, um, are there any words in the text you didn't understand? Right. It probably just means that you've trained them to be teacher dependent right. and that's kind of on you. Right. <laughs> so right. like they you feel need to like, retrain them yeah, to not be. Exactly. They, like they feel like they need to understand every word. Right. Like then they're just in the habit of asking you for all the words. And so you need to retrain them, uh, to not be by saying things like, um, okay, you know, take a minute, talk with your partner. Maybe can you look at the other words around that word and do you have any guesses of what it means based mm-hmm. on the rest of the sentence? Um, so kind of start working with them on those strategies of discovering the meaning of the word through yeah. context. Honestly, that's a whole other episode or blog post yeah, that I'm sure we'll do at some <laughs> point. Um, but yeah, I think the takeaway message is like, if you don't bring up the vocabulary, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, I feel like the students don't either. No. And if, if you want to be more prepared, you can pick out a couple additional words that you think might be blocking. Just write down a really nice, clear definition for yourself. And if one student or two student asks about it as you're yeah. walking around and monitoring, then just give the student a quick definition and, and that's it. You don't yeah. have to make a thing about it for the whole class. No, that's, that's actually really good advice. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, we were thanking you for listening and for (laughs) for reviewing and following us and supporting us. We appreciate it so, so much because we're, you know, we're new here and doing this podcast, um, not new in this industry, but new at this particular aspect Mm -hmm. of this industry. And so um, it really, the feedback means so much and your interaction with us and engagement with us means so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for your support, everyone. Um, and, um, if you don't already follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Tefl Horizons, um, also on Instagram at Tefl underscore Horizons. I almost forgot our own. <laughs> That's okay. We'll blame and it on, the on our website at TefelHorizons.com. <laughs> yes. And we keep referencing the newsletter. If you aren't already subscribed to the newsletter, it's really not even a newsletter. It's really more like a weekly blog post that gets delivered to your inbox. It's yeah. um, it's really more informative than anything else. So there are like actual teaching tips um, or one sort of nice focus in every newsletter. And it's I try to make them as informative and practical as possible. Yeah, and we keep on referring to it in, uh, in our, in the, um, what am I trying to say? Well, when we're talking to you, so if you do listen <laughs> and yeah, thank you. Uh, if you do listen and you aren't subscribed to the the newsletter, you might want to go on to our website and subscribe, so you don't yeah. miss out it's on all the insider stuff. Uh, go to tefelhorizons.com/newsletter and you'll be able to sign up. It comes every Wednesday, and it's free. Totally free. Lots of good, useful stuff. We always link to other good, useful things as well. 
Um, and yeah, you'll get a lot of helpful info. And anytime you want to, if you're already subscribed, just hit reply. Um, and the email will come directly to us. So if you want to ask questions, if you want to comment on things, we are reading. Nice. All right. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) Bye. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. Feel free to leave a comment below if you enjoyed this and let us know what you want to hear about in upcoming episodes. If you know other teachers and travelers, we'd love for you to share this podcast with them too. And tune in this coming Tuesday for our next episode. Until then, you can find us at teflhorizons.com. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons. Bye.